this is uh, episode 10. Hi, Josh. Hi, Eric. How are you doing? Uh, so today is about the goddess and the heroine's journey. And we're looking at how uh, basically many religions started off with a sort of unitary understanding of uh, the spiritual world, which then broke into some sort of duality, a sort of yin and yang, uh, became the various uh, gods and goddesses, uh, and that uh, we've now sort of left that kind of uh, conception of, of, of cosmology behind. So uh, originally in the uh, Paleolithic, uh, the female uh, portion of that duality was much, much stronger. Uh, we see in uh, Shivo Cave, the uh, goddess is formed by a unity of the uh, Minotaur and the Lioness. Uh, and that duality was um, representing both male and female power, but the female power was uh, primary in that arrangement so that uh, uh, it isn't a lot of males and a little bit of females, it's lots and lots of females and a little bit of male. And that was what uh, primary power was seen as. So the, the lionesses were hunting power uh, and the uh, male uh, image was uh, a, a sort of single aspect of that because they understood that the male was also important. Uh, and we sort of turned that kind of arrangement on, the, on its head. Um, the main figure you see in the Paleolithic is the Venus figures, these voluptuous uh, women with uh, large hips, large breasts, uh, and they far outnumber uh, any any male figures. Um, they probably were not some sort of uh, universal culture that had spread everywhere, but were re-derived over and over again. So much like hand axes were worldwide, or Celts, the uh, ground stone Celts, were worldwide. You could find a Celt in, in, in uh, New Guinea, you could find a Celt in... Uh, uh, Mesoamerica. What is a Celt? Uh, just a ground stone axe head. They all look the same no mm. matter where you are because they have a particular use. Venus figures were similar in that um, they're representing the voluptuous female uh, deity and their universal. You're saying these are these these arose around the world wherever humanity was and these, started these making things symbols came out. These symbols came out. So I'm not thinking that there was some sort of Ur religion that spread around the world and produced these figures, but rather that humans being humans, we have certain ways of doing things and the same ideas come out over and over again. And so the Venus figures are, are in many ways universal. Um, and partly this is because of uh, simply biology. So uh, many uh, uh, smart, long-lived creatures uh, have what are known as female bonded systems, where you have related females and then the male coming in from the outside. For example, lionesses, right? So lionesses are all uh, related and the male is coming in from outside unrelated. This to avoids uh, um, any kind of uh, incest problems. Uh, and it means that uh, the females work together on purpose because they're all sisters. Uh, and so there's many uh, uh, female bonded systems that end up with uh, very strong uh, matriarchal leaders of groups, for example, whales or elephants, long-lived matriarchs lead the herd, teach the younger ones how to do everything, and are the center of essentially the power. The males might be part of that group, or they might be coming in from the outside periodically, uh, but they're often much more on their own and a different kind of figure. So the uh, the females are are the the uh, essentially what brings the society together and, and unifies them. And so this is why I think that the, the uh, goddess figures were so uh, important uh, universally and were understood as um, the essence of... Uh, uh, where 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 culture came from. 
Uh, in the Western tradition, uh, the uh, goddess uh, was represented as a goddess of uh, love and fertility. We see this in uh, Babylon, Sumeria with Inanna, uh, switching to uh, Ishtar, um, uh, Astarte in uh, the uh, Syrian uh, uh, religions, uh, and then uh, to Venus in uh, Greece and Rome. Uh, and so these are these are uh, forms of the goddess. There's other forms the goddess can take uh, other than just love and fertility. But what you're what you're drawing here is a straight line. A straight from, line. One god comes. From one goddess becomes historic times to recorded. It's it's hard to know exactly how you get from twenty thousand years ago to mm. five thousand years ago. Mm -hmm. There's a bit of a gap there. Mm. But if you look during that time, Venus figures never stop appearing, and they become a named goddess that we can read about as soon as we get writing uh, under under the Babylonians. And so they tell us what they were writing about. It's not just we imagine it. Before the Babylonians, we're kind of imagining what these figures are. After the Babylonians, we have written language and we know exactly what they are. And so they are goddess, gods, goddesses of, uh, of love and fertility. Great. Um, different from, say, uh, the earth, Gaia or Demeter, um, nature itself. Uh, those are other aspects of the goddess. I'm not denying that those are aspects of the goddess, but I'm mostly focusing on these love and fertility uh, represented by these, the Venus figures, as they're called. Uh, the symbol was the star Venus or the planet Venus. Uh, so the brightest star planet, people wouldn't really have known the difference, uh, was Venus. And so it was the ruler of the heavens. Uh, originally, she was a war goddess um, uh, with her symbol being the owl. So later we see... Venus was a war goddess. Well, uh, Ishtar Inanna was a war goddess mm. uh, in very warlike Sumerian... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, Assyrian uh, 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 culture, uh, and so she was a war goddess, uh, and she uh, her symbol was the owl. So later we see this in uh, in Greek mythology, where the war goddess becomes Athena Minerva, with her symbol being the owl, and gets separated from Venus. And so Venus starts being separated from this idea of technology and war and and wisdom. When does this happen? Uh, in classical period, so this is this is this is this is this is this is, this is under under Greece, okay. Uh, but but Venus still has this idea of um, being um, the moon uh, and and Venus the the, the planet uh, and being uh, a a a powerful uh, symbol of um, of fertility. Venus can still start the Trojan War, so there's still a, a, a warlike aspect to her. Uh, you know, she's she's the reason that everyone has to go and destroy Troy and get Helen. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And so uh, there, there is as absolutely that aspect to it. But in the Trojan War, they talk about the conflict between Athena and Venus. These are these are two sides of the goddess in, in conflict. Uh, and you can see these symbols as, as, as really, really different. So if the male symbol is the sun, the sun is constant and the sun is brutal. At nighttime in the desert, the moon comes out. It's much more uh, peaceful. It's uh, it's much more uh, forgiving. Uh, it's it's a it's sort of a blessing at when when the sun goes down. Uh, but the moon and the Venus they move around through the sky much more than the sun does. They're they 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 go and they come back. They disappear periodically. Um, they're they're a very different kind of thing than the sun is. The sun is constant and brutal, whereas uh, the the uh, the moon and and Venus are are changeable and and much more forgiving. 
Uh, also, people must have noticed that there was a relation between human fertility cycles and the moon's uh, cycle, right? These were these were very similar periods of time uh, and seemed to be linked. Uh, and so people would have very directly connected human fertility with what they were seeing happening in the in the celestial world. Uh, while Venus figures were common, the uh, male figures um, in uh, early sort of Paleolithic times would have been rare to non-existent. Uh, one of the few examples uh, is the the, the Leuvenmensch, the lion man, uh, and he's a uh, lion-headed figure with a man's body. Uh, and this would be sort of a rare example, but you see other ex ex similar examples. So a minotaur or the lion-headed man, these are sort of the figures that we see. And uh, they've often been called sorcerers uh, because they, they represent a sort of transformational power. They probably were the shamanic traditions. Many shamanic traditions have the idea of taking on an animal's power, but they're rare. These are the, this is the male's power, the transformation into an animal, different from the female power. Uh, and uh, uh, probably associated with this idea of sort of you know, the brutality of, of, of the male sun god kind of strength, but danger. Um, in the shamanic tradition, uh, these trances uh, are um, to become uh, an animal are often associated with um, visions and uh, with uh, uh, visions coming into the mind of the shaman. Uh, and these could have been done through through uh, visualization, chanting, meditation, uh, even dancing. But uh, most commonly in shamanic traditions, this was done uh, with the use of hallucinogens. And so we understand that uh, pretty strongly in, in terms of the shaman taking the hallucinogens and going on, on that uh, sort of vision quest. Uh, but we've left behind a lot of our understanding of the, uh, the female side of that. So uh, in my opinion, I, I, I have some evidence for this, but it is, it is, is difficult, obviously, to, uh, to document oral traditions. This is what witches were. So witches were taking uh, toad skins, uh, drying them out, mixing them with uh, various uh, uh, fats, uh, putting them on their broomsticks, uh, getting naked and riding the broomsticks as a way of uh, getting the toad skins through their mucous membranes. Uh, and so this is how they are applying the hallucinogens. If you just ate the toad skin, it would kill you. There's all, all sorts of uh, cardioglycosides. It stops your heart. Very dangerous stuff. Uh, but if you um, can take it in without dying, uh, then you get the effects very similar to the hallucinogen DMT, whose classic uh, classic effect is that of being uh, basically shot into space and flying. Uh, and so they couldn't just put it in their mouths and suck on it. They would die. They would die. There was a, there was a classic just sucking on it. That that would wow. Yeah. Okay. So 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 there was a classic witch trial where a witch was on trial and she got some of this magical substance and she ate it and she flew away during the trial, meaning she committed suicide so she wouldn't be tortured to death. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. And but she was described in the Middle she Ages. She knew what she was doing as having kept some of her magic potion on her body somewhere and putting it into her mouth during the trial and dying. Wow. Yeah. And and flying away is how they described it. So, so they, they absolutely knew what they were doing. They were very good at it. They knew how to prepare these things. They knew what fats to use. Um, you know, we see all these things in, in things like, you know, bubble, bubble, toil and trouble. Um, uh, 
you know, all that. I, I probably just misquoted it. But the idea of 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 having you know the newts, the eye of newt, and the, and the, and the toad skins going into the witch's broth are are where this power comes from. And you see it in Albrecht Durer's paintings and many other paintings from the time. You see a witch working at a at a uh, mortar and pestle. So they were they were tripping. Yes, but. There was also a religious element to it. Absolutely, it yes, and 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 they, and so classically, the witches would be dancing naked around a fire while 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 hallucinating, uh, and they would be flying, and so uh, sometimes they would be inside. They would fly out the chimney, right? So these are spiritual. So they call flying it flying we on call their it, brooms. We call it tripping. Yes, but they were flying on their yeah, brooms. Yeah, and 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 people understood this in the Middle Ages as what witches did. Right. So when so when that witch committed suicide, they understood her as flying away. There was still a body there, but she'd left. Uh, and so this this is this is how uh, flying on brooms arose. Um, originally, the brooms were smaller, uh, often called uh, uh, batons uh, or wands, and these wands would have uh, been you know, basically uh, like a, like a dildo, uh, and able to be used in that way. Uh, we see the same thing in the Paleolithic sites. We have a lot of very phallic shaped and sized. Uh, batons. We don't know what they were for, but we often find them with uh, wear marks on the uh, tips where they were ground. And so they were they were the things used in the mortar and pestle. So it would have been a phallus and an open dish being being the mortar. You would grind your magical substances in there. Many of the uh, early medieval um, depictions show uh, rainbows and stars flying out of the mortar and pestle, and witches flying up in the sky. So this was clearly what was what was happening. Uh, and I think there's 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 def- decent evidence that this was this was really happening, um, but and associated with the the witches flying on their brooms, there were occasionally men who were being transformed into animals. Um, Men don't have the same anatomy that women do, so this might have been one of the limiting factors. Uh, if a man was going to take this into a mucous membrane, uh, it would have to be done in a different way. It couldn't be done in the mouth. Uh, so this was probably one of the one of the limiting uh, aspects of it. Uh, throughout the Middle Ages, this became a powerful uh, uh, understanding of. Uh, sort of the dark arts. It was. It became what was known as uh, Satan worship, and so it was uh, Valpurgisnacht and the Black Mass, uh, and these were uh, well understood traditions in the Middle Ages, where they had a um, people would dress in white robes, they would bring their children, the children would gather toads, and the children would be they would, they would draw a circle on the ground, put the toads in the middle of the circle, and say, "Watch these toads." And so the children's job during the Black Mass was to sit there and make sure the, the toads stayed inside the circle. Those were clearly the toads for the next year. They would be then, you know, the, the skins would be dried and, and used in next year's Black Mass. But then the actual Black Mass, they would leave the children behind to watch the toads. It's sort of a great job. If you ever have a toddler to say, here, make this toad stay in this circle. That's your job. Watch it. You're good. Then they would go. They'd take off their clothes. It, everyone was naked. It was mostly women, few men. Uh, one of the classic things in the Black Sabbath was a, a man would be um, upside down in a devil's costume, and everyone had to kiss the devil's butt. And he, so he would be standing on his head, and he would put his lips right where the butt was, and everyone would have to kiss the butt, and they would, they would kiss the actual lips of the guy upside down. And the, the, these were ideas of inversion and, and uh, sort of 
taking everything and turning it upside down. But what was really happening was everyone was having a great old party, dancing around a fire and out of their minds on these hallucinogens, having a really wonderful time. And you could see how this was freaking out the Catholic Church. This was not something that a Catholic Church could be okay with. It was way too fun and way too much nudity. I, I, I have to imagine that they, they would have ignored it at first and then realized they needed to kill it. Well, yes, and this, and so it actually gets worse and worse as we move towards uh, a at the age of reason, and as we leave behind the Middle Ages, where there was still a, a fair amount of, of of Mary worship and the the female saints and and cults of the saints and cults of female groups. Um, now we're moving into a time when all of these must be crushed, and so the Inquisition starts, and it's 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 a time what a show. exactly, and it's a time to really get rid of all of these backwards ideas, which were specifically female powered and involved a lot of fun and nudity uh, and, 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 and tripping out of their minds. Um, and so uh, what we see taken from the classical world in the Renaissance is uh, the Venus figures, but but stripped of all of their sort of magical aspects. What we have is stripped of their power of their power. So we have Venus, a love goddess as Venus Pudice, sorry, Venus Pudice. Venus Pudice means the, the, the shameful Venus. And so she's covering her breasts with one hand and, and, and her crotch with the other mm. one, but also accentuating them. It's, it's very much uh, almost like the... Um, the figure of Marilyn Monroe pushing down her dresses. It's like, oh, don't look at me. That's that's Venus Pudica. And so or, that, yeah, or or the or the, the 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 modern evangelical wife who needs to basically well, no, no, these were these these baby, but also be ultra sexualized. Yeah, so okay, at the same fair enough. I, I see what you're trying to get to. So the, these were these were very sexy by, symbols by hiding it by hiding you exactly are accentuating, accentuating it. it right. And so when in the uh, early 19th century they started discovering these early uh, Paleolithic Venus figures, they called them Venus Impudica, the shameless Venus, because they were displaying their genitals and they were not trying to cover themselves. Uh, and so there was, there was really seen as a conflict between uh, the, the, the hidden sexuality of women and the totally exposed sexuality of women. Uh, and uh, at this time, the understanding of the goddess becomes uh, hidden and starts to be uh, uh, repressed. So uh, Astarte, Ishtar, um, in the uh, in the uh, about the 1450s, uh, the Renaissance uh, gets mistranslated into a male figure. Someone's mistranslating from the Hebrew uh, and translates uh, her into um, uh, the demon Astaroth. So it becomes a male demon. Uh, and is no longer female. Same symbol, same Venus symbol, uh, but is now a male the, demon. The, the, the female goddess of basically creation and destruction becomes a male demon. Becomes a male demon without changing her, her his symbol. And I, I sort of like Astroth because he's got this sort of trans aspect to him. Uh, and he also has uh, a, a, a lot of interesting other characteristics. So he's kind of my favorite demon. Uh, he, his temptation is that you believe the evidence of your senses, right? So in the Middle Ages, <laughs> uh, faith was all based on what isn't the evidence of your senses. And so if you believe the evidence of your senses, then you lose faith. And so his temptation was believe what you see, believe what you hear, you know, believe reality around you. Uh, he teaches math. Math is the aspect of, of Astaroth, right? These are, we, these are ways we, we, we work with the physical world uh, at, while, while ignoring all, all the invisible world around us. Uh, he answers any questions. Uh, so any question put to him, he will answer it. Uh, 
And he gives dominion over the Americas. So 1450s, right? So this is exactly when the Americas are being discovered. He's the demon of the Americas. <laughs> and he ha- happens to also give you control over snakes. So he's a, he's a great sort of all-around demon for, for math, science, uh, and the Americas, and snakes. And snakes. <laughs> uh, which was always a, a female symbol up until now. But now, now we've transferred that female symbol into, into, into a male symbol. Um, but let's not forget that he is a demon. And demons are dangerous. So he's the demon of the temptation of science and uh, the academic approach to things where um, you get Dr. Faustus. So Dr. Faustus was tempted by the devil into getting all knowledge. Right? That was how he sold his soul. This is, this is Astroth's temptation. Uh, and so where, where do we see this? This is, this is what we just saw in the movie Oppenheimer. So this is, this is Oppenheimer's uh, uh, following of the religion of pure science and math. Uh, the physical world is no longer this, this sort of voluptuous goddess. It is something to be analyzed and becomes demonic in many ways. It, it, and, it, and it provides power. Demons are powerful. Demons are not weak. Uh, and so this, this is the Oppenheimer demon. And again, my favorite demon, but one to be careful of. Uh, Somewhat of a demon of for modern times, being being trans, uh, being the Americas, being math and science, uh, totally uh, support all of these things. But a warning for us that it is a demon and that these powers are demonic and dangerous as well. Um, and was really a a, a uh, part of a concerted effort to uh, remove the female power from our understanding of the world itself, right? The, the world had been female. Gaia was female. Ge, geology, the study of Ge. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this is moving t- away from nature being uh, a, a female mystery to nature being physics and solvable and purely material and governed by math. Uh, that's the demon Astaroth. Uh, it's all part of this sort of new uh, scientific uh, approach to the world. Uh, the earth and nature had been female, um, but now we know uh, nature is a source of resources. It is to be exploited. It has no value in its own. It's just the things we can pull from it. Uh, we, have, we have physics, which literally means nature, but we've left behind nature. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and, we've, and we've transformed it into a very abstract kind of symbology. So we, we represent it using math. Uh, and so this is the world we now live in. This is the world of Astaroth, uh, one of the three archdukes of, 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 of hell. So there, there's, there's Asimodeus, there's Lucifer, and there's Astaroth. Mm. Those are the three archdukes. Um, and this was not the only, uh, the only demon uh, to, to, to rise during this period from, from a goddess, uh, and for sort of similar reasons. One of, one of the sort of lesser goddesses of, uh, of the classical period was known as Baobo. Uh, Baobo uh, is represented often as basically a vulva on legs. Uh, so the uh, the opposite of say the the, the walking phalluses, mm-hmm. right? So you see mm-hmm. those many times in in classical uh, imagery. Mm-hmm. She was the opposite of that. Uh, and uh, when Demeter was having uh, real difficulties, and I, I think this was when Persephone had been stolen, uh, and so Demeter was was sad. The world was dying. Everything was cold. Uh, Baobo lifted up her skirt to show uh, Demeter her vulva. Demeter thought it was hilariously funny, and this was the beginning of everything getting better again. Uh, and it was the, the idea of, of, of the female power being not just good, but, but 
also funny and 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 and, and, and bringing humor into the world. Uh, Balbo also got made into a demon. So uh, <laughs> Balbo suddenly became uh, evil and exposing yourself was a way to drive away evil. So there's many uh, medieval examples of uh, a woman lifting up her skirt to scare away a devil uh, or or to uh, scare away entire armies uh, through through exposing yourself. And so we go from a, a concept of... Uh, uh, that doesn't sound like it's funny or fun anymore. That that right. So we've tr- we've transformed from what was a uh, sort of attractive, amusing secret of of female power, uh, exposing your, your 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 vulva to the world was was uh, one of the essences of these female cults, which didn't write anything down, so we have very little of their information, mm-hmm. uh, and is transformed into an apotropaic, something that turns turns away uh, uh, evil. And so uh, there, in many medieval churches, there is a woman uh, uh, exposing her vulva at the at the door of the church, and I thought that was sort of welcoming. They didn't mean it that way. They meant, stay away, devils. You'll be scared by this 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 vulva. Um, and so we 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 we've, we've transformed our 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 love of 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 fertility and female anatomy, uh, and we've turned it into this thing that scares us away, or is in some way um, completely turned into merely math and physics. We, why why do we turn everything into its opposite? Why, we we can't live with we can't have good we can't have nice things. I know it's 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 very much in our nature, and it seems to be a project that we've going going on for for quite some time. But again, I. I don't think this is a conspiracy. When we <laughs> when we get these things in our head, there's not some group of men that says let's get rid of women. They get the idea that that all of these things associated with women are bad, and so they just automatically get turned into demons. So a uh, 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 as a love. Well, where does that idea come from that things associated with women and feminine energy and power are bad? That's that's it, the question. It, 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 it was essentially the project of 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 the birth of the so intellect. What's the difference of between that and let's get rid of women? I mean, it seems quite it, similar it was, to me. Well, there was no one saying let's do this. Okay, it was just the way we felt. It's just the way everyone seemed to know how to go. Exactly. So, so someone starts reading something in Hebrew and just writes it down as a male word instead of a female word. It wasn't someone said we need to make this female male. It's just it seemed more natural that that person to be, be that that deity be male now and be a demon. Same with Balbo. So when you see Balbo exposing herself in a classical illustration, it was seen as good. But by the Middle Ages, you see a woman exposing herself, there's something dangerous there. It's evil. And so the same character gets turned into a, a, a at, at best, apotropaic and, and often just an actual demon of sexuality. And so... Uh, Again, we can't have nice things. Uh, yeah, so we were we're we we were we were sort of in this project of taking all of the the powerful female figures and turning them into uh, demons in some way, uh, and uh, leaving behind this 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 world of female powers. Um, again, not a conspiracy, but just the way the entire project was working. We had and 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 you can kind of understand it. We were trying to move away from magic so we could start understanding science. If we hadn't moved towards believing the evidence of our senses and believing math and understanding math, we wouldn't get to where we are now. But thinking where we are now, we did this at the expense of giving up the goddess. And many of the places that we've gotten to today are not so great, probably because of the way the project has the gone. Absence of the goddess. Right. So um 
I like to think of humans as sort of these strange dreamers where we give messages to ourselves. These things are not conscious. Uh, Jung talked about these things in the unconscious. I'm not sure if I would see it quite this way. I don't know if they're archetypes, but there's certainly things that arise over and over again, like the Venus figures arose all over the world because we're humans and this is the way we think. And so we leave messages to ourselves. Uh, we leave these hidden messages. Often the hidden messages say specifically look for hidden messages. So think about Luke Skywalker looking out at the horizon at the moon. This is saying we need to go look out. We need to go look for the world. We need to see what's out there. We need to go explore. We need to leave our home. We need to go on the hero's journey. We need to figure out what's out there. This, these are hidden messages to ourselves saying, go look for the messages out there in the world. Um, but what what was the female equivalent of that? If that's the hero's journey, what's the heroine's journey? Uh, there was a woman, um, uh, her name is uh, Maureen uh, Murdoch, and she came up with uh, the heroine's journey. Um, I don't think she's actually quite right, but I, I, I get what she's trying to do, and I think she's on the right track. Um, so what she describes as uh, the, the, the patriarchal values um, uh, inhibit women from understanding their own matriarchal values and their own matriarchal worth. And so women are, are repressed uh, and they go through a spiritual death. The spiritual death is uh, them losing their own inner power uh, and then they need to reclaim. They go on some sort of spiritual journey and they reclaim their spiritual power and they reunite with the sacred goddess. That's, that's, that's uh, Maureen Murdoch's version of this. Uh, I don't think she's completely wrong, uh, but I think she's wrong. So <laughs> allow me to mansplain. Uh-oh. Uh, so I don't really see um, recovering from being crushed by a patriarchy and rediscovering the goddess within you as evidence in a lot of the fairy tales. I don't actually, I can't actually think of a good example of that specific movement. Uh, so it would be uh, female coming of age, being crushed by the patriarchy, to be re reborn in an understanding of the goddess. Don't see it. Can't mm. find an example of that. So I thought to myself, if the heroine's journey is universal and something we all understand already, I don't need to do a lot of research. I already know the answer to this. What is the heroine's journey? It is something I must already know because it is everywhere around me. If it's everywhere around me and it's a major theme and plot within everything that we see around us, Disney's already done examples of it. So what is it? What is this thing that Disney has must have already done that is the heroine's journey, not the hero's journey? Luke Skywalker, we're talking about something different now. It's the Wizard of Oz. So what is the Wizard of Oz as the heroine's journey? First of all, female main character. Uh, parents and society um, boss you around, tell you what to do. Uh, you go through some sort of profound change. Uh, and when you go through this profound change, you discover that the well-meaning men in your life who all have all your best interests at heart have been lying to you. And they've been lying to you to keep you safe, to keep you home, uh, to, 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 to make sure that uh, you don't get in any trouble. Uh, and they've been doing this with your best interests at heart. Uh, and you realize that these were lying, lies. You leave these lies behind. 
and you discover that the power was in you all along. And so that's the central Disney theme, really, in many ways, that the power was in you all along. And that is, in my opinion, the essence of the hero's journey. It's not so much re uh, reconnecting with the goddess, but realizing that you are the goddess. You, you, These powers are within you and have always been, and men have been lying to you for your own best interest. These are not evil men. These are nice people. These are your fathers and brothers and uh, husbands, uh, but they've been lying to you. Uh, and this is this is where we've gotten to in society. So we've been lying to ourselves and crushing the goddess within our society uh, for good reasons, not because of an evil conspiracy, which it's often seen as, but uh, because we needed to go certain places. And part of that involved lying to women. Uh, and so now I would I would say we need we need to move beyond that. Uh, so an another example, um, you know, if you think of the power was in you all along in in, in modern cinema. Uh, one interesting example is The Matrix, which doesn't involve a female uh, main character, and it didn't fit into my into my sort of schema uh, until I, until I was reading that um, the, the 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 writers directors uh, were trans and they produced the the, the Matrix as art yeah sorry trans, our trans yeah. and they produced the, the the matrix as 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 a, as a trans myth and so the power was in you all along and so it really is the heroine's journey um as as a man going through the heroine's journey because the man isn't really a man or never was a man uh this this is in very many ways astaroth this this is this this is this is the journey of astaroth um uh my favorite example is um is Angela Lansbury in Bedknobs and Broomsticks. So uh, she discovers she has powers. She is a witch. Uh, she discovers that the man selling her the magical spells is actually a con man. He's been lying to her the whole time. The powers are hers. The magic is hers. It's not provided by the man. Uh, and she ends up having to go on a quest to another world. She has to go into this magical world uh, they go down, uh, you know, under the sea to find the island of uh, Nabumbu. And what do they find? They find a lion king ruling the iron, uh, uh, island of Nabumbu, wearing the star of Astaroth. And she has to get the star of Astaroth from this lion king. She has become Inanna. Inanna, the, uh, the uh, Sumerian goddess, steals powers from uh, Hamash, uh, um, from the, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the sun god. Uh, what is what was his actual name? Um, oh, I have it in here somewhere. Uh, Shamash. <laughs> Sorry, I, I confused okay. it. Yeah. Referring to notes is fine. Uh, so uh, she steals her powers from Shamash, the king of the sun. Those powers are the powers of... Uh, of civilization itself. All the good and bad that comes from civilization are the powers that Inanna stole from Shamash the sun. Uh, and so this is this is one of the sources of the goddess's powers as she becomes the good and the bad of, of civilization. Uh, and so um, what does what does Angela Lansbury do? She, unfortunately, as an actress, I cannot see any of the sex aspects of Inanna in her, but she has basically all of the other aspects of it. She uses the Star of Astaroth, which she has stolen from the Sun King, uh, to uh, call up the powers of uh, Britain's uh, past wars, so the, the, the actual inanimate objects from Britain's past 
past wars have a animating spirit within them, which she brings out, and she uses them to drive the Nazis back into the sea. Uh, so very much she has become the war goddess Inanna, and she has cured the land. She has driven the evil enemy males from the land, and she has done it by reconnecting to the power of the land. Uh, notice the star of Astaroth right there, right? It, 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 it's, it's beyond obvious. I don't think the Disney people were thinking, let's make a story about Inanna. I think these are th basically secrets that we can't stop from coming out. Uh, and that we, we, we can't help ourselves understanding uh, Venus is more than just a sexy-looking goddess. She is a goddess of power and war and the land and the earth itself. Um, and that hiding this female power is a relatively recent event. Uh, we've always understood uh, uh, throughout most religions, uh, male and female power act as a duality and are the duality of, of, of the Godhead. So we have the, uh, the, the yab-yum in, in Tibetan Buddhism are the mother and father. They're the, the unity of the mother and father are, are, are essentially uh, uh, the Godhead. Um, wisdom and compassion, uh, justice and mercy. These are, these are the, the unities of, of, of male and female power coming together to form uh, uh, Guanyin or Avalokitesvara or the, the, these, these sort of unified uh, uh, de deities. Um, not a coincidence that the most uh, extreme forms of the patriarchy started in the Renaissance. Uh, beginning of understanding science and math begins in the Renaissance. This is when things started getting hardest for uh, uh, female uh, spiritual power. This is when this is when uh, Astarte is turned into a demon, uh, and that it reaches its apogee in um, the Age of Reason. So, in the Age of Reason, when we're coming up with Modern science and math, calculus. Newton, Newton is, 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 is developing cal calculus. Leibniz is developing calculus. We're also exterminating the witches. This is when the witches were completely wiped out. Even more than, you know, at earlier periods, this is when we really wiped these people out. And this is why we don't have Black Sabbaths and, 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 and Valpurgisnacht in, 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 in Germany anymore. There aren't people dancing around the fire like you see in uh, Fantasia, uh, summoning the, the, you know, the demon that lives in, 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 in the mountain. Um, these were these were real places. These were places that you could actually go and to the actual mountain that you would then be dancing at the at the top of, and all of these things were actually happening, uh, as 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 shown in in in, in Fantasia. Uh, so these were real practices: dancing around, tripping out of your minds, uh, naked witches, uh, and and this was all crushed uh, in 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 uh, you know the age of reason. Uh, and we see it in, in our in our in our uh, cyclical calendars that we as we move through uh, our our the, the ritual of the year. So the god is born at the death of the year at Christmas. The god is uh, killed at the uh, birth of the year at Easter. Uh, we celebrate um, we celebrate uh, the, the 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 abundance of 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 life and food at uh, Thanksgiving or or harvest festivals. And what are we missing? We're missing midsummers. Mm -hmm. We do not have a midsummers uh, holiday. That was when we would dance around the bonfire naked and everyone would have sex with each other. And this was Midsummer's Eve. Uh, we have lost Midsummer's Eve entirely as, as part of our, our ritual calendar. Uh, we, are, we are centered on, on the aspects of death in our rituals, Halloween, Christmas. Uh, um, we try and light up the year by bringing in lights on our Christmas trees to brighten up the, the darkest times of the year, but we don't do anything at Midsummer's. We, we, we no longer have that celebration. 
So as the last thing I wanted to talk about is how we have to now go basically on this heroine's journey. We have to discover the powers within ourselves that we have left behind. And they're not, they haven't gone anywhere. They were within us all along. They're still here. They really haven't gone anywhere. And so uh, what, what do I mean by this? You know, think about something that seems completely intractable like global warming. So we, we got into this mess using science and technology, ignoring the earth, ignoring you know, the value of the earth. Um, and uh, our responses tend to be hero's journey. We, we, we were looking out at the moon and we want to, or the two moons, and we want to uh, figure out how we're gonna solve this with a technological answer. Um, but in many ways, the, the, the solutions are not gonna be technological. They're gonna be heroine's journey solutions. The powers are within us all along. We need to think about how we have built a culture that is producing so much waste, that is, that is just churning through resources so quickly and get back to really understanding the value of the world around us and seeing that this is connected deeply to who we are as people. Um, it's our, in many ways, our ways of life have caused this problem because we've been separated from essentially the goddess within us. Wow. <laughs> As usual, Josh, fascinating. Oh, thank you. I feel like, I feel like this topic deserves an entire podcast on its own. We will probably come back to it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, for, 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 for now, I, I just wanted to get through and saying sort of what pl practical applications would this then have? How do, how do we live our lives in the modern world in relation to uh, the concept of, of um, a, 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 a hero's journey and a heroine's journey? Mm -hmm. What does this mean? Uh, especially, you know, when we have a, a world where um, I, trans... LGBTQ people are, 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 are suddenly becoming more important in our society. What does this represent? What, what are these things? And uh, what, you know, what, what is going on? In many ways, I think people are becoming a, sort of a, a bridge between these worlds. I hope so. I hope so, too. I really <laughs> hope so, too. And you can tell that you know, certain people really hate that whole yes, movement. and we need it. And we need we it. We need it now. All right. Well, thank you very much, Josh. Yes, thank you. See you next time. <laughs>